0: All right. So, Matt, I don't know if I told you this, but I got fired from my last job, and it's because I asked the person if they preferred smoking or non-smoking. What? I, really? Yeah. I guess you're supposed to ask cremation or burial, not <laughs> smoking. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> 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 hey, it's good. cold but i'm good (laughs) y'all got it worse than we did for sure Uh, we we were back up to 43 today man (laughs) after the lord after the last few days i was like walking out in shorts it was great
1: yeah no No.
0: i'm 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 double bundled tonight right So before we get into it, I want to say go check out the Podbelly Network at podbelly.com. You can find a list of shows that we're happy to be associated with, and you can find some tips and tricks on podcasting if you're thinking about getting into the podcast world. We also want to thank tonight's sponsor, Factor. They're a new sponsor of the show, and we will talk more about them coming up. Um, If you're interested, go over to patreon.com slash graveyard tales and sign up to become a patron. We've got three different levels that you can sign up for. We've got a one, a five, and a ten dollar. And we are working on a new thing for our ten dollar a month patrons. It may be and we'll we'll say tentatively next month. It'll be yeah. it'll be on the hook and coming out. Um but we we also for our ten dollar patrons, we put a ad free audio version of the show. And they get the audio and video versions of the bonus episodes we put out. Our $5 a month get the audio and video versions of the bonus episodes. And our $1, they get the audio version of the episodes. So go over there, check it out. We got a plethora of topics and and episodes that you can choose from.
1: Oh, yeah. And we, we talk about all kinds of stuff. Uh, it's a lot of fun. They're more relaxed, you know, and we go in some topics that we don't go into the regular graveyard tale show so uh so check it out yep
0: and i finally remembered to say this but next week we're dark so don't (laughs) look for an episode i always forget to say it on the week before our dark week i remembered this time so you can congratulate me later but we are dark next week all right matt so that's all i got for the housekeeping what are we talking about tonight brother
1: Uh, so tonight uh Adam and I are looking into um, a a place that, yeah. Adam Adam's been on about for a while now, <laughs> um, and, and he and he pitched that again. I was like, yeah, it sounds great. And to to be totally honest, I didn't really know much um, about this place, and so got into the research. And man, it this is. This is an incredibly active place. We're going to t- discuss tonight. It is the Eloise Psychiatric Hospital, Eloise Asylum, mm-hmm. um, wh- whatever whatever you want to call it, or just Eloise, um, or just Eloise is most people refer to it, um, which is in Westland, Michigan. And I mean seriously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It is crazy active. The building has been empty since 1984. Um but when it was open and operational, it was a a large large functioning yep. hospital, a uh, psychiatric hospital. I mean, you name it, they had it and I it sits on an enormous property.
0: Yes, it does.
1: Um which is which which actually plays into uh what we're going to talk about tonight the the size of the of the property and and what all went on there um and we've talked about plenty of hospitals and 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 asylums over the years um I don't know that we've talked about one that's quite this active
0: no no yeah I, I was thinking about that too it we have discussed some very active quote, insane asylums and, you know, mental hospitals, regular hospitals, and they're all active, but there's something about Eloise that ramps up that activity to new heights that I I haven't seen before.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and some people have, have some theories as to why, um, we're going to talk about that more a little later. So
0: as we always say, go check the sources down in the bottom of our sh- of our show notes. You can find where we found all this information. And trust me, you're gonna want to continue the research if this place interests you. Because if I were to spend as much time as is needed on the history of this place, we would be here till October. We would do oh, this yeah. show, and then we would do our Halloween show. That's all we yep. would do. So I- I've got a brief history of it. Brief enough for you to understand the craziness of this place. But down in the bottom of the show notes, you can find our sources. Now it sits, like Matt was saying, at 30712 Michigan Avenue in Westland, Michigan. And it's right outside Detroit. It's in uh, Wayne County. So if you know where Wayne County is, uh, Mm -hmm. it's in Wayne County. And this huge complex of buildings and land operated from 1839 until 1984 when it finally closed its doors. If you can believe that, that is a long time for one hospital. But it's because it went through so many iterations of what Eloise was. And, well, I'll try to touch on some of the different ones as we go through, but it, it wasn't just one thing.
1: Yeah, like a lot of the places we've talked about, they they served other purposes right over over the decades.
0: Right, right. Now, a lot of this information that I've got comes from Eloise's written history. It was just the most concise and uh, uh, detailed that I could find on it. So, Eloise was originally called the Wayne County Poorhouse, and we've discussed poorhouses before. Um, poor houses are place where if, if you don't have money to live and you, and you need help, you can go there and work as your payment to live there. So mm-hmm. you get room and board, but you got to do work. Right. So that's what Eloise started out as. And it was first located on, um, and I, I I don't know how you say this, Gratiot, G-R-A-T-I-O-T, G-R-A-T-I-O-T and Mount Elliott Avenues. But the county purchased the Black Horse Tavern, which was an old stagecoach stop, and they ended up moving the poorhouse there. So it moved buildings real early on. But originally, there were 146 people that were living at the poorhouse at that original location, but only 25 of them decided to move to the new location, the other 111 refused to go into what was mostly wilderness at the time. Yeah. So here you go, go
1: live out in the woods for a while.
0: Right. We got it. We got a building. Like you can move no. over there. Yeah. <laughs> Most of them are like, no, I. Don't, I don't want to go. I'm pretty well in the city here, and you're gonna move me out to this wilderness area. No thanks. So only 25 of the original tenants moved with the poorhouse. Now, Eloise is called, like Matt was saying, Eloise Asylum, Hospital, Sanatorium, or sometimes people even called it the Crazy Hospital. Because we've (laughs) talked before about how people referred to things many years ago. You know, even the Insane Asylum is not the correct terminology for it now.
1: No, you know, I think of it as like uh, my daughter... Uh, one of my daughters when she was little, um, she called everything by what it did. Mm-hmm. Okay, if it was uh, if it was an air freshener, it was a smeller.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, if it was a microphone, that was a singer. Okay, yeah. and so you know, a lot of times people didn't understand, so they they added these names for what people did or what they look like or other kind of you know whatever affliction. They just, you know, they yeah. weren't necessarily being insensitive. They were being ignorant. Um, but but very know.
0: literal, I guess.
1: <laughs> yes, in a very literal term. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's how we get a lot of these old terms that, that, uh, that we refer to these folks.
0: Right. Now, they added all those names to it. Um, when the hospital opened an outdoor treatment center for tuberculosis patients, so it was the poorhouse, and then they added this tuberculosis treatment center, and so then they started calling it the hospital,
2: mm-hmm.
0: the Eloise Hospital, the Eloise Asylum. Now, the name Eloise Hospital was actually adopted by the Board of Superintendents of the Poor on August 18th, 1911. It would later become, again, the Wayne County Asylum, but the term Eloise was originally used because the United States government set the post office located in the general office building and named it Eloise. So it kind of took on that name. But later the name Eloise was applied to the Michigan Central Railroad Depot that was there, the American Express Company located there, and the Detroit, uh, Ypsilanti, and Ann Arbor Road all became known with the name Eloise attached to it.
1: Yeah and you may not I I found a blurb about this that it was Eloise was the uh uh the daughter of Detroit's postmaster.
0: Yeah, that that's what I got next.
1: Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Leave it to me to step on Adam's comment.
0: Yeah, cuz the the next thing I got is but why Eloise?
1: Ah, uh, well, yeah, okay.
0: Sorry. No, you're fine. <laughs> So why, Eloise, right. So prior to the year 1894, there were no post offices, express offices, or railroad offices located at any institutions. Well, this slowed deliveries in the Wayne, Westland, and Detroit areas, and the superintendent uh, motioned for a post office located at the county house on May 1st, 1894. The postmaster general at the time approved for the location... However, to avoid any annoyance to his department, he established the order that all newly established post offices would have only short names or names of one word, and none could resemble closely to any other within the state. So Freeman B. Dickerson, recent postmaster of Detroit, was the president of the board, and he was largely responsible for getting the new county house center built. And he's very interested in the establishment of the post office. His only living child, a daughter who was four years old, was called Eloise. So members of the board submitted the name Eloise, which was then sent to Washington and approved. On July 20th, 1894, the post office was established under the name Eloise. So it was named after the postmaster's daughter, who was four. Yeah. So a four-year-old got all this stuff named after her. That's right. That's right. You know what I well, got named at, after me? Nothing. A, a bomb? Nothing. Well, yeah, that. that <laughs> didn't think about that. But uh, yeah. really,
1: but yeah, close <laughs> enough. Yeah. You know, again, it's all semantics. It is. You
0: know,
1: it is. it's tomato, tomato, Yeah,
0: you know, eh,
1: you know. <laughs> and you know
0: what they say. You can't trust an atom because they make up everything.
1: Yeah, that's right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so. Eloise, like we were saying, evolved over time, and it expanded by the 1930s. And by that time, there were 78 buildings on almost 1,000 acres of land.
1: Yeah, 78 buildings.
0: That's insane, man.
1: I mean, you know, that's bigger than an apartment complex. Mm-hmm. Okay? This is, I mean, this is huge. Yeah. It, Can you imagine having to manage? No. 78 buildings on your property?
0: I do good managing one home.
1: That's exactly right. (laughs) I mean, you got to have a whole team of Mm -hmm. people. I mean, that's just tons of employees just to do the maintenance on all of these buildings and this enormous property. Not to mention the staff that had to work with the patients and in the hospital.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I know. I I don't see how they did it, but they kind of didn't which we'll talk about in a minute. But um, it was a self-sufficient community within Westland Township. It had its own dairy farm, piggery, which is a pig farm. I've never heard that term. I never have either until looking this up. (laughs) But that's why I left it in. Piggery sounds kind of cool. I don't know why. Yeah, I love it. I like the term piggery. It had greenhouses. It had its own fire department and power plants, bakeries, And like we said, its own post office. Now, the main building was called in building, and it was over 380,000 square feet, and it housed 7,000 indigent persons. So over 3,000 of them were working throughout the large complex. Now, in the early days of Eloise, the male patients had triple decker beds. So like three story bunk beds. Mm -hmm. But. When Doctor T.K. Gruber took over as medical superintendent, he abolished the use of these beds. But just think about that. You know, there's you've got these triple-decker beds, and there's probably a- at least three of them per room. So you've got nine to fifteen dudes in one room.
1: Yeah, it needs it, to
0: sound more like a barracks. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. I was going to say, if you've ever been in the military, you know how that smells. That's not good. Yeah, 12 to 15 dudes in one room does not smell good. Now, Eloise was not only a general hospital and housing unit for the poor of Wayne County, but it's commonly referred to as, like we said, the crazy hospital, because Eloise was a facility for mentally disturbed patients. Eloise also had a section for a morgue. Now, they're said to be. 7,145 former Eloise residents buried in the old Eloise Cemetery, which is located on the south side of Michigan Avenue, just across from K Beard Building. Um, the last burial is said to have occurred in January of 1948. But...
1: 7,000! Yeah. I I can't get over that number. I know. The numbers associated with Eloise are ridiculous. Everything is way more than what you imagine. And when I learned that there were over 7,100 graves Uh on that property.
2: That we know of.
1: Yeah. And it was, I mean, it was essentially a potter's field. I mean, it Mm -hmm. was, I mean, you were buried there if no family members or or anyone came and claimed your body. So they just buried you there you know, in a, in a, in a very simple grave with a, with a very small marker.
0: Yeah. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the markers, like you said, they were small, they were stone or concrete or something, and they had a number written on them. And then you had to go look up the number to find who was there.
1: Yes. Like you'd have
0: 1345 and then you'd have to go to the book and figure out who 1345 was.
1: So you can imagine how small of a stone it would be if all it had on it was a number. Mm-hmm. So you know these stones were were small. Maybe what maybe would you a say? Foot maybe long. what a foot long, maybe if that. Yeah. Um. Probably not. Not even. Um. You know, some of the ones that I've seen, you know, pictures of and so forth, they. I don't know. They're maybe about six inches square. Yeah. Um, and they've got the number carved in and that's about it. And not only do they're being small, you know, indicate, you know, they, they didn't have, they didn't have the money or the space and probably not the time to give these people a proper burial and, and mark their headstone and everything because they were burying people just on almost, you know, one, one on top of the other.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, mm-hmm but how easy those small stones became overgrown yeah yep. a- and and just com- just disappear
0: yeah yep cuz they are still working on locating all of these graves they're right they're currently still they've got a project out trying to
1: locate and unearth all of these headstones and so they're they're actually hopeful hopefully go- going to be able to match death certificates with the number of the plot so you know these people can you know once again have their name mm-hmm. and they're there I, I did and i'm sure you did too adam I, I read uh uh articles about people that were able to uh get those death certificates and find those markers for yep. their you know their the ancestors member. yeah
0: yeah yep which i think it's pretty important if you had a family member die there, you you want to know where they're at.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Even if you don't go visit them every week, you want to know where they're at. Now, the keeper's residence on the property had originally been located in the west end of the main building. But in 1865, a new structure was approved to be built for the keeper and his family. That building had a frontage of about 46 feet and was 37 feet wide and had two stories. So it was a a fairly decent sized building for a, a keeper's house, but it was him and his family. Now, the previous portion of the main building that had been used by the keeper and his family was turned into bedrooms, a dispensary, and nursery. By 1876, there were buildings for the, quote, insane asylum, And the name used for these buildings was the Third County House. Now, in 1839, there was also a school district with a schoolhouse located on the property. It had its own school district, not just schoolhouse, but its own school district. And there were several children in the county house at the time. It was first opened in Detroit whose parents had died from cholera and the county house was their only home. Well, in Section 52 of Chapter 2 of the Laws of 1838, it stated that the superintendent of the poor in every county were obligated to look after the education of all children between the ages of 5 and 16. So a room was set aside and uh, apart from the rest of the building where the children would assemble for school. In 1859, an old building that had been used during a smallpox epidemic was made into a schoolhouse. So think about that for a minute. You're (laughs) in a... The kids are being taught math in an old smallpox building.
1: There's a creep factor there.
0: Yeah, seems safe. Now, the next year, uh, the board erected a schoolhouse along Plank Road so they didn't have to keep using the smallpox ward. Now, at one point, a maximum security section was added to the house, uh, added to house the criminally insane. So this only added to the pressures on the staff and the patients as well. Yeah. So just think about that for a minute. You have people who have mental issues and they're in this state house. Then on top of that, you add a maximum security section for criminally insane. So the people like, I, I guess you would say Gacy and, and stuff like that to, to get not, not that Gacy was there, but somebody like that, you could say he was criminally insane and they would put him there. Yeah. So you got you, you have to have specially trained. You can't just put the people that are in the main psychiatric ward then taking care of the criminally insane.
1: Yeah, because these people were dangerous.
0: Oh, yeah, very dangerous.
1: You know, they were they were a danger to others. They were a danger to themselves in many cases. Uh, so, the, you know, their care required a, a much higher level of, sophistication yeah um not and not just for the patient's well-being but for the staff yeah um you know you're you're not gonna you're not gonna send an untrained individual in to have to take care of folks that could potentially harm them right um so but you know in in cases like this that that's bound to have happened sure um somebody's
0: like i know jujitsu i'll be fine yeah. And
1: <laughs> no, they weren't no. fine.
0: No.
1: <laughs> yeah. This is Tom. Tom doesn't feel pain. Oh, right. Oh, okay. You right. know, so and what are you going to do?
0: He slaughtered 487 cats before coming here. So just, <laughs> you know, keep an eye. Keep an eye out. Now, we talked about the poorhouse and how you had to work for your room and board there. Well, the poorhouse's philosophy that manual labor was therapeutic continued into the hospital setting. So even those there for in the psychiatric ward were made to do physical labor for therapeutic purposes. Now, I don't see a lot wrong with that. I, I get the thought, you know. Busy hands, keep yourself busy doing something. I know physical labor is therapeutic for me. Mm -hmm. If I'm not out doing something with my hands or building something, I go crazy.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I get that. But you also have to think places like this didn't just stop with, hey, here, build this cabinet. It was go hoe this field for 17 hours a day, you know, and, and, we might give you water breaks. Not that they were intentionally doing that as torture. That just is how it would be with this many people on a uh, on a farm situation like this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, those those kind of things that we take for granted now. You know that. Well, there's laws that limit how how long you can work in certain conditions and how many breaks you need to get and that you need to have water and food and all this other stuff, you know, those, those kind of those labor laws that protect us in the U S weren't around, uh, in the early days of Eloise. So, you know, again, it, it wasn't so much that anyone was trying to be intentionally cruel. It was, they just didn't think about it.
0: Right, you know, exactly.
1: They had so many other things that they had to worry about. That if, um, you know, if if Jim and Joe d- didn't drink enough water that day, that that was going to cause a problem for them. They're too busy, you know, trying to make sure that you know somebody doesn't, you know, hurt themselves, mm-hmm. or you know, or that you know the the chicken that's going to feed 150 people is. Right. Isn't undercooked. <laughs>
0: right. right. <laughs> you know, now, on top of all the other stuff that happened at Eloise, Eloise also served at Michigan as a fully functional hospital as well. So patients came from Detroit and other communities to get x rays done. And because it, it was, uh, uh, it, it had the equipment to do all this stuff where other hospitals might not. But the facility also housed the first kidney dialysis unit in the state of Michigan and pioneered the use of music therapy. Insulin was used to treat people at this hospital as well. And in many ways, Eloise was, at the time, considered a model of scientific advancement in the medical field. Oh yeah, yeah. And that, you have to take that With a grain of salt of the time, because there have been many other hospitals and psychiatric hospitals that we've talked about that were the pinnacle of science at the time. But a couple years later, we figured out, oh, that's not a good thing to be doing. Yeah. Oh, you should wash your hands before surgery. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Germ theory. Oh, look, lobotomies
1: aren't all that helpful.
0: Right, right. <laughs> now, on that note, the use of shock therapy was employed at Eloise. Yeah, And this was, like we've talked about before, a technique used in, in, psychi- in psychiatry to treat depressive disorders and other illness, illnesses by inducing seizures or other extreme brain states. It was started in the 1930s. And it used electric shock to cause seizures that often left the patient in a vegetative state. But, like we said, this was when mental health research was in its infancy. So many patients were used as guinea pigs by the doctors. And just like with lobotomies, they thought when this patient was left in a vegetative state from electroshock therapy, same as after a lobotomy, that they had cured the problem. You didn't cure the problem. You just shut them down where they they can't function now.
1: Yep. But I, I think I, I rem, this reminds me of, I want to say it was a far side, but I can't be 100% sure, but it was a a, a comic strip similar. And it's a guy and he's standing out his front yard and his house is just destroyed. You know, part of it's burning, it's crumbling, it's falling down. And he's standing out there and there's people looking at he's like, "Well, I got that spider." Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. "Well, we cured him." Yeah, but look at him. Mhm. You know? <laughs> yeah.
0: What what else did you do? It is the is the cure worse than the the symptom. Right. But like we said, they were used as guinea pigs, but Eloise didn't have a lack of patients that these doctors could practice on. They they had a lot of patients. Some of them were unruly, as you would imagine with a psychiatric hospital. And the problem was a lot of unruly patients were kept chained to the walls as a way to control them. Mm. So instead of dealing with them or finding a medication that worked or something they could do, they chained them to the wall and they left them chained to the wall. Now, this goes with having so many people in this hospital. And on top of electroshock therapy, they also employed insulin, theory, insulin therapy, lobotomies, and hydrotherapy. Now, Matt, you, you have some... Uh, knowledge on this that i don't have even though i have a little bit of knowledge about insulin when insulin is given to someone that doesn't need it and in high doses that can cause some problems can it
1: yep oh yeah yeah i mean your body makes insulin naturally so Mm -hmm. in a in a healthy individual you know your 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 pancreas produces insulin to help convert the, the the sugar that you eat you know, into a form that your body can use for energy. Right. Okay. Of course, if you don't use up all that energy, you know, that sugar can be stored as fat. Okay. Um, if your body is doing that on its own, uh, then it, it's regulated your blood sugar by giving somebody a dose of insulin. You can drop their blood sugar entirely too low. Mm-hmm. Okay which could kick them into shock yep um and you know it it could severely uh, damage their uh their internal organs their brain um yep. you know it you know you think about all the problems that diabetes can cause okay so if you do the reverse of that you can get a lot of the same problems just you know immediate mm-hmm you know, so, and, and, like and, you said. and listen, I, unfortunately in my career, um, I, I knew, I personally knew a nurse who took her own life by injecting insulin.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. So it's serious. Yeah. I mean, you know, just shooting people up with insulin, isn't just like, oh, well, you know, this will help.
0: Yeah. Are you right. sure? Yeah, and and like you said, it messes with your brain, too, Mm -hmm. and I I know from firsthand experience from a family member that until she got insulin, she was having cognitive issues, and we didn't know what was causing it. We thought it was something else, but when she started getting insulin shots, some of that cognition came back because the blood sugar was off. Was too high. Blood sugar, yeah. yeah. Blood sugar can cause some crazy stuff to happen. Yeah, and so if if you're doing quote insulin therapy with people in, I'll say uncontrolled manners, even though this was a hospital, I'll I'll say it's uncontrolled. It it can cause some serious damage to the patient internally, mentally whatever.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think some some of these situations ev- everybody understands. High blood sugar, that's bad. High blood mm-hmm. pressure, that's bad. You know, low extreme lows are just as bad. Yeah. You know, your blood pressure bottoms out, that's bad. Your blood sugar bottoms out, it's very very bad. Yep. You know. And I I know
0: I I have a thing that when I when I haven't eaten in a while, my blood sugar will drop. Mhm. And I can tell by my mood.
1: Oh yeah, you get so, angry. <laughs>
0: yeah, yep. And mine's like, uh, how would you say, hunger rage? It's more than hangry. <laughs> it's like I, I get, I get really pissy. I, I turn into a, a really pissy person when I'm when my blood sugar drops. So you'd,
1: you'd be good enough for that Snickers commercial. You know, oh, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So who would I be talking to? Who who would I be sitting there? To, what celebrity would I be talking to? Mouthy and bitchy and and pissy, you know. I, and then then they would eat a Snickers, and it'd go back to Adam.
0: <laughs> yeah, hey, I'm gonna not say anything because I don't want to get in trouble. I, you as a listener can can figure that out, <laughs> you but can I, don't, I
1: don't. I
0: don't want to get myself in trouble.
1: What celebrity would star in the Graveyard Tales Snickers commercial? (laughs) Yeah. And play me when I've
0: turned into uh, the raging (laughs) sulk or whatever.
1: The incredible sulk.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So we talked about hydrotherapy and... I wasn't able to find exactly what they considered hydrotherapy there because there are so many different types of hydrotherapy, but what they had there, I know, were giant tubs and vats of water. Yep. So I can only think there probably weren't good things considered hydrotherapy.
1: No, and and, uh, it was used in several different ways, you know, just traditionally, um, you know, these people would be placed in, you know, essentially freezing cold water. Okay. Yeah. So Shock, like celebrities shocking do now. This is, yeah. Like people do now. But the problem was, is that they weren't doing this voluntarily. Right. Um, it w- certainly wasn't comfortable. And oftentimes they would be in there for far longer than they mm-hmm. should have been, you mm-hmm. know. Um, the
0: hypothermic states.
1: Yeah. And then in, in other cases. They would um, they would submerge people in in water, you know, leaving them just up out where their face was exposed, and they would pass a low voltage electric current through the water. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, um, which you know that that can be extraordinarily dangerous too. I mean, you know, sure. you, your finger twitches, and all of a sudden you've electrocuted somebody that's in your hydrotherapy tub. Mm-hmm. Um, and there there is a story about um a young girl, Harmonia Kiasane. You got it. Who the, was I ten need, years old? <laughs> I, do I need to read ahead of you know Adam's notes? He, I'm stepping on everything for him tonight. Jeez. <laughs> so
0: yeah, with the with the hydrotherapy thing, there are records at the hospital that say a ten yeah. year old patient named Harmonia Kiasane drowned. During one of the hydrotherapy sessions. So I'm assuming it's like what Matt was saying. She's there for too long Uh and either they walked away Mm -hmm. and she drowned because she was hypothermic or they stunned her with the electricity that Matt was talking about And and went under and she drowned. All right, Matt. So let's talk about a new sponsor of Graveyard Tales, and that is Factor Meals. Now, Factor is ready-to-eat meals that they deliver to your door, just like other meal delivery services, but it takes the stress out of meal planning, and it sets you up for success in this new year if you have like New Year's resolutions of wanting to eat better. Factor Meals is a great way to do it. You can skip grocery stores, the prep work, and the cooking fatigue. And instead, you can get chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. They've got over 35 meals to choose from per week. And they've got options like keto, calorie-smart, vegan, and veggie, and more. Plus, over 55 weekly add-ons. And you'll have a ton of nutritious and flavorful options that you can choose from. And Matt and I are looking forward to getting our factor meals in. We just put... We just put in an order for them and i'm going to tell you they have a chicken alfredo pasta and a red chili chicken tamale bowl that i'm looking forward to trying so much oh yeah
1: yeah that sounds good
0: it's going to be great because i won't have to think about my lunches anymore ashley can take one to work pop it in the microwave boom done great meal chef crafted and you don't have to worry about going out and trying to get a meal from some restaurant and it being overpriced
1: yeah and you know factor they also do snacks uh they do uh breakfast options smoothies juices um everything that you know you're looking for to kind of keep you going during the day Mm -hmm. uh when you don't have time to you know grab something or or prepare something and you know look i'm doing the job that i do take out drive through man it is so just easy and convenient but it's so expensive oh yeah i mean it is so when you think about what you're doing to your bank account you know driving through a fast food joint every day
0: not to mention your
1: stomach that's right <laughs> that's right so you you know with factor you get to skip those overpriced drive through trips You know, Factor is cheaper and way more delicious than takeout. It's chef-crafted, restaurant-quality meals, and you get them delivered right to your door so they're ready to heat and eat in just two minutes.
0: And, Matt, I'll tell you, meal prep sucks. I hate doing meal prep.
1: (laughs) Man, we've tried it so many times, you know, sitting on Sunday evening, you know, trying to get stuff. Ugh. Yeah. It's such a pain. And then when you don't do it, you either rush something together and it's terrible. It's not what you want. You wind up, you know, eating out anyway, because you're like, I really don't want to eat. This. You don't have to worry about that uh, with Factor, you know? So when things get hectic, Factor is also flexible and you can change up your order every week with plans from four to 18 meals a week. Wow. You can pause, or reschedule your deliveries anytime. So you're going on vacation. You, you, you're not working. You're, you're you're on a different schedule. You're not even going to be home. All you have to do is put your factor delivery on pause, and pick it up when you get back home. Right. So if you guys want to give factor a try, and if, and if that seems to fit your schedule, um, go to factormeals.com/grave50. That's G-R-A-V-E five zero. And use our promo code GRAVE50 to get 50% off.
0: That's right. That's code GRAVE50, 5 at factormeals.com, F-A-C-T-O-R-M-E-A-L-S.com, slash GRAVE50, and you'll get 50% off. That's a good deal.
1: I've I've heard a couple of um of of different I don't the theories maybe or at least what they've deduced. I I think at the at the end of the day it was she was left unattended. Mhm. Yeah,
0: that makes sense. So from only 35 pa- patients that they had in 1839, the complex grew to about 10,000 residents at its peak during the Great Depression in the early 1930s. So I know they had 78 buildings, but 10,000 patients, that's not including the staff. Yeah. So you can only imagine what they had there.
1: I've been through small towns that had less people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No joke. This was basically a small town in and of itself with everything it had. Yeah. Yeah, it sure was. Now, with this many patients as we alluded to before the staff became overwhelmed and overworked so patient treatment suffered they were neglected and many died due to this in the 1940s over 8000 people died which averaged out to about 2 people per day golly in the 1940s i that is a lot yeah for for this small facility small in quotes, for this medium-large facility. Two people per day during the 1940s, that is a ton. The facility, they say, would become a place of fear, a sanitarium of torment for those with mental health issues. It wasn't a refuge. It wasn't a place to get better. It was a place that you got put in and were fearful and yeah. tormented the entire time. There were yeah. patients there in such a desperate state to get out that many of them committed suicide. Some through hangings. Some jumped from third, fourth, and fifth floor windows just to not have to be at Eloise anymore. One of the problems with it, is during the times we we've talked about this at other things you were put in there for some stuff that nowadays we would go are you out of your mind right really because many unfaithful women were committed by their husbands yeah masturbation was once considered a confinable mental illness matt (laughs) you'd have been locked up Should have seen that one coming. (laughs) That's what she said. (laughs) I couldn't help it. I'm sorry. I
1: I guess you know it depends on where you're doing it. Yeah, that's true. That's that's,
0: that's true. (laughs) Now, most of the complex was demolished after it closed in 1984 due to funding issues, but the D building remains, and the current owner, John Hambrick. He bought the property from the city and apparently he he knew the people like it, it, some of the higher ups in Wayne County and they approached him and they knew he was into real estate and stuff. And they said, do you want to buy one of our old buildings <laughs> and, and you know, you can get it off our hands. It, it's a it just needs a little bit of fixing up. You'll be able to do it in no time. And he said, sure. They sold it to him. For a whopping $1.
1: Yeah,
0: $1. $1. Now, they were obviously trying to get it off their hands. Oh, yeah. But the funniest part, to me, they didn't tell him
1: anything That's about right. what was going on here. Yeah, nothing. Nothing. And, you know... And- they And you know what, in all fairness to the county, they may not have known because they sure weren't doing any upkeep on this building. It, it didn't, ap- it, at least in the pictures that I've seen and in the videos i watched, it did not appear that, that they were doing, I mean, they may, they were probably cutting the grass and, you know, making sure that, you know, was still, you know, all of that was done and the mm-hmm. place
0: wasn't just completely falling down. There weren't vagrants living in it or anything.
1: Exactly. But when John Hamrick first went and looked at the property um before he bought it in twenty eighteen, he said he said they walked in to blaring fire alarms. Okay. okay. They went up uh the top to the top three floors that had basically been sealed off since nineteen eighty four. Oh, that had it smell great. Yeah, and they found a flickering light at the end of the hallway. So you know, you're kind of like, uh, well, that's weird, you know. But maybe, you know, maybe these alarms picked up on that as a signature. Mm. Who knows? But that was kind of a that should have been a red flag, and it may not have been right. Um, but you know, they so he gets he gets his place and. It was, man, it was a liability from the get-go. <laughs> and and John and his co-owner, Adam Hoffman, they both knew it. So when John was asked by a friend if he could do a paranormal investigation, the guys were like, why the hell not? You know, go yeah. for it. You know, knock yourselves out. Um, Because they said they figured it was harmless. But later on, both Adam and John, worried that they may have quote kicked a hornet's nest. Oh yeah. Um by by stirring up whatever was there. Mm-hmm. And I I thought about this and I thought, hmm it, this could be like if a tree falls in the woods kind of deal. Sure, you know, yeah, it's true. If 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 a house is haunted and there's no humans there to haunt be haunted by it, you know, is it really haunted? You know, does the energy of people beginning to come in there help stir up the haunting? Yeah, I mean, can you imagine? It's they're just going about their normal day. You know, the spirits walking around. And all of a sudden, there's humans in the way. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't. I don't really feel like it's like the television show Ghosts. Where they're all hanging out for centuries, you know, and they become friends and stuff. Right. They have their right. own rooms. I don't think it's that way. It's that it makes good good television, but I don't really think that's how it works. Um. But but John believes that since opening the building to the public, the activity really kicked into high gear. Yeah. Now, John recalls and and later says this was a mistake. But you know who who knew. Um. He recalls allowing his daughter to go and check out the building. Now, he went with her because I think she said she was like 13 when he bought this place. So you're not going to let your 13-year-old go wander around an abandoned building. Um, So he was there. But she says that when she got to the fifth floor and entered a fifth, the fifth floor was where the maximum security unit was. And so when she got on that fifth floor something pulled her hair pulled her hair hard enough that she noticed and she spun around to see nobody standing behind her okay and of course this terrified her she started screaming you know john oh, yeah. comes running up you know wondering what's going on and and you know she she tells him this and i mean look you know it it's one thing if you and your buddy are there and you run up your buddy screaming, it's another thing when it's your child and if it's a father and daughter. Let me tell you something. Yep. You know, being the the father of four daughters. Yeah. I mean, you you immediately are ready to I'm going to fight whatever's up here. You yeah, know. Exactly. And, and then you you do what John did, you've got, "Why did I let her into this situation?" So here he is, he, he now owns this building and now something like this has happened. I mean, as a dad, that's got to hit you right in the pit of the stomach.
2: Oh, I'm you sure, know? yeah.
1: And and I watched an interview um, where his daughter, Yvonne, um, w- where she is describing this particular experience, and she's had her fair share. But this first experience she had, you, you can watch her on camera, and she's sh- her hands are fidgety. You can see her eyes. You can see the fear in her retelling this story. You know, yeah. she she is transported back there to when that happens. And that's always one of the things that, that that I look for when when I'm seeing somebody relate a story of a haunting, especially one that was scary, is are are they are they making this up? Are they just telling me something? You know, just like I could tell you that, you know, I could read you a passage from a book Mm -hmm. or are they thinking back and telling you the story from re-experiencing it in their brain? Right. And when you see somebody do that and you begin to see those visceral reactions to the emotions that they had back at that time, you know. They're they're telling the truth. You may I'm, you may not know exactly what they experienced, but you can sure tell that whatever it was was one hundred percent real, and mm-hmm. they felt it, and they oh, yeah. they believe it, and it terrified them. And you can see that, you know, with her telling this story. Now, John says when he initially purchased the property, he was a skeptic. He in fact he said the the idea of ghosts or paranormal stuff d- didn't even factor into his day to day. You know, mm-hmm. so he 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 wasn't a fan, you know, of those kind of deals like Adam and I, you know, he wasn't one that researched it or talked about it. You know, it just it it didn't factor into his day. You know, so he he was a skeptic because he never really pondered on it. Right. Uh, and it, you know, and like Adam said earlier, he says he had no idea that this place was supposedly haunted. And, you know, they may not have known it either when they sold it to him. But now, Hambrick has been quoted as calling Eloise uh, the holy grail of paranormal activity. And after the research Adam and I did, <laughs> we, we might agree with him on that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, as I said earlier, the fifth floor is where the maximum security unit was and it is by far the most active with visitors often reporting hearing screams and even singing coming from empty rooms. Hambrick says that every time he goes up there, he begins to feel what he describes as a heaviness. And then he starts to feel lightheaded and will inevitably develop a headache. So, Again, you know, those are those are visceral reactions. You know, you yeah. you get in a situation that you don't feel a hundred percent comfortable or safe, you know, your body tells you. Now, of the of the spirits that have been seen up here, um two ghostly children have been seen running through the hallways. Um but typically when people see them, they will turn a corner and then they disappear. Now it I, is Yeah, go ahead. You
0: you think, yeah, there there were children at this place because some were at the poorhouse, some were institutionalized for different things. But like I've said before, the child ghost is creepier to me than demonic things or anything like that. And I think it's just the fact that they're kids. Why are they still here? And because the demonic things have been known to act like children to draw you in and make you feel comfortable. So on top of everything else with this place, of course, it has to have
1: children (laughs) there. Yeah, yeah. Now. The, the spirits of these two that that are seen are assumed to have been this says inmates. I can't imagine you know the children being inmates. most likely their their parents or a parent were inmates um mm-hmm. or they they may have been there because of some uh, some illness something like that um that uh, but but they could have been there. When as Adam said, when it was the poor house, um, orphan children were often held there until they were adopted or they died. Mm-hmm. So the, you know, the unfortunate death of a child at Eloise probably occurred more than anyone wants to think about.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, and uh, you know, that would have been a really tough life to be a kid, you know, you're there, there's all these adults, you know, the thousands of people, um, and a lot of them have these just horrible mental illnesses. Um, you know, it just, I mean, I can't even fathom what it was, what a childhood would be like there. Um, mm-hmm. But it's possible that now the their spirits live on and live out their childhood um, without the fear that they had when they were alive. Now there is another spirit. Uh, this one is a lady that appears as a white vapor and she has been seen manifesting within one of the buildings that are still standing. but even her voice has been recorded as she whispers, "Help me." okay? Now I there, I, I did not see any any video or photographic evidence of this particular one, but the help me EVPs are fairly common the help means coming from the spirit box. Um, but even, even like just regular audible, you know, voices and, uh, and words being said. And like I said earlier, singing and screams have been heard. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's assumed that she's a residual spirit and that, you know, her impression has just been seared into the building itself. that, that stone tape theory. Someone right. that was there for so long and they're just tortured and and, and had this miserable existence. Um, all that negativity just kind of pressed their spirit right there into the into the physical building. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh.
1: Now, there is another ghost that is commonly seen, and it is that of a doctor. And this particular spirit is said to prowl the halls of the facility, um, almost as if he's still searching for unfortunate patients to practice his uh, scientific methods on. Now, as Adam said, in the 1930s, lobotomies were beginning to be performed. And we've talked about this process. It's pretty gruesome. I mean, essentially, a doctor would hammer a surgical instrument through the skull and into the brain with the hopes of cutting off the negative impulses. A lot of patients died as a result of the operation, and others would later commit suicide. Some were left severely brain damaged. And all of this happened within the Eloise complex, and a lot of people believe that this this spirit of this doctor is just a testament to those horrific treatments.
0: Yeah. I've heard, uh, I think it was John saying he, he can almost guarantee there's somebody still there that is still wanting to do harm to people. And maybe it's that doctor that you're talking about.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, John, John Hambrick, he, he believes that there is an entity in the facility that seeks to do harm. That, and, and he thinks maybe it has been there a long time. It is possible that this could be the spirit of that doctor. It, you know, mm-hmm. if that doctor is if, if that doctor truly um, was one of the physicians that put patients through this, and his spirit is lingering around that could you know give off those kind of vibes of you know whatever's here is looking to harm people you know whatever they want it's it's not good um right. some people feel like that the the spirit of the doctor may linger there because he's tormented by the ghosts of the patients that he practiced on what yeah. yeah, but whatever the case, he is a part of a long list of spirits that still reside in Eloise. Now, one of the most common is that people have reported looking down the fifth floor hallway at night and seeing the silhouette of a nurse peer out of a window. Like um like a window in a door. Like you know, hospitals will have those half hallways, and they'll have glass. Mm-hmm. It's that at the end of the hallway, so it's not like she's outside, um, right? And and that it just looks like she's doing rounds and notices somebody at the end of the hallway and just kind of looks, and then goes on. Yeah. Um, and and which would be creepy to see, yeah. And so many people have seen this, you know. So many people have gone in there and witnessed this particular thing, um. Some have even reported seeing a figure drenched in water, which is possibly a reminder of when the hydrotherapy was very common uh, at Eloise. But oftentimes, as I said, a patient against their will would be placed into a pool of water, often with their arms and legs restrained. Now, there's other times that people report seeing a phantom that's wearing a smock stained with blood presumably from a lobotomy yeah um that's pretty graphic
0: yeah that would that would be that's something you you don't hear often that there is an entity that you still see stained with blood like they just came out of surgery or whatever I know. you don't you don't hear about that yeah you like, don't hear about the blood usually full in full hauntings. color
1: you know yeah. a, enough detail to make out blood um you know that that's yeah that's not something we hear a lot now uh Ryan Eberhart who runs the Westland Historic Village Park which is a museum dedicated to the history of Eloise the patient history not not the haunted history yeah he tells a very interesting story about his experience inside the asylum the museum had an old photo of patients sitting in a room watching television. And television therapy was apparently a very popular treatment. I've, I've done some television therapy. <laughs> yeah, me too. Now, Ryan, who was hoping to be able to find the room where the photo was taken, decided to wander around the building on his own. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Um, no, thanks. But while walking through the third floor, he recalls the sensation of a finger poking him in the middle of his back. But instead of a hard poke, like, hey, what are you doing here? He said the feeling lasted and reports that it was almost pushing him in the direction that he needed to go. Now, having no idea where he was, he suddenly realized that he had been led into the room From the photo, by holding up the photo, comparing the environment. Yeah. So something he feels, something led him to that room because he's standing there with this photo, trying to compare it to his surroundings and see if this is the right room, whatever entity that helped him figured out that's what he was doing and pushed him there.
0: That's also another one you don't hear often
1: and when when i heard this story this is one of these that it's it's odd enough to to be believable mm-hmm. you know it's it it seems so unusual so outside of what people would describe in a paranormal experience that you just you want to believe it but when you see ryan tell the story on video, you totally believe it because he's kind of like, yeah. this is exactly what happened to me. <laughs> you know, it's mm-hmm. really weird, you know? And that's, I mean, that's kind of how I would be, but I think the first poke would have probably sent me moving, you know? Oh yeah.
0: Oh yeah. Yep. Now, com- I don't think it would have <laughs> taken us push into the room.
1: <laughs> it would have right. been pushed I, and I'd have been out. I don't know. He didn't really say how far along it pushed him. <laughs> okay hopefully he wasn't far but you know yeah. if he,
0: like it's going down the, the whole hallway and he's like what is
1: going on it's pushing him towards the elevator and he's like wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute Yep, this is out of service no now they uh hambrick has had several contractors that have come in and do some work on the building for him um and they they've assisted with maintenance and and just you know this is an old building you know things you know have got to be checked you know you don't want people coming in and it being unsafe um but some of the contractors have had some unfriendly encounters in the basement and one yeah. one contractor named jesse casem reports that he was there handling some odd jobs and was pushed down a flight of metal stairs
0: Oh yeah, I remember hearing about yeah.
1: that. Yeah, so he just he said he just felt Good it Lord. shove him from behind and push him down this flight of stairs he was walking towards.
0: You know how angry I'd be.
1: Oh yeah, I'm cl-
0: I'm clumsy enough to fall down these stairs on my own. I don't need some supernatural help. Yeah. to break my leg.
1: Well, and the the bad thing about it, it when he tells the story, you can tell you know he's like this this could have killed me, you mm-hmm. know. Um, it's not like a super tall flight of stairs, but it's those metal stairs that you see in like industrial environments that they're usually painted yellow. Um, they have the, the, the hole
0: diamond pattern or Or, whatever on there. Have you
1: seen what there's actual holes? It looks like have been punched from the underside. So there's a, a kind of a sharp grippy area Mm -hmm. on those steps. So you won't slip in case they get wet. Um, yeah, yeah, that's what they look like. I mean, they that, that could tear you up. Oh, yeah. But not not only that, okay, one person falls down these steps, and you think, eh, he, he felt like he got pushed. The door probably, you know, eh, he tripped. He's making
0: an excuse for being clumsy.
1: Yeah, yeah. But not only did he feel it, a, one of his coworkers experienced the same thing at a different time on the same flight of stairs. And both men claim they did not trip. And the story behind it is that a former maintenance man exists in the basement and he's just there to kind of make sure the boiler is okay. So he doesn't want people coming down there and messing around. Yeah. What is a contractor going to come down there and do? Mess around.
0: Mess around. Yeah.
1: And, uh, and he, that, you know, they, they kind of said, yeah, I mean, this is what the story is, and this is what happened to me. So, I mean, just one after another after another. But here is where it be- really begins to get scary. If it hasn't already, um, <laughs> it's also believed that there this dark entity resides in the asylum that draws pleasure from torturing people. This is what I was talking about earlier, that it might be this this physician. But a lot of people feel like this is not a former doctor or patient, that this is an evil presence that resided in the facility, possibly while it was in operation, mm. potentially affecting the souls that worked, lived, and died there. You... We've, we, have, we have brought up things like this in other asylums where yep. the negative energy didn't just leave a lasting mark. It actually attracted other uh-huh. uh, other entities, other right. dark entities. And I think that's a possibility here, you know, that maybe there was something and that it fed off of these poor individuals that were there. Um and having to endure this kind of tor- torture. And it may have it, it may have affected the physicians and the staff there that helped facilitate some of these horrific treatments. Yeah. Now, during an episode of Expedition X, uh, Josh Gates, who we've mentioned on this show many times, uh, asked tour guides, um, asked the tour guide, who just happened to be Yvonne, John Hambrick's daughter, who I mentioned earlier, to tell one of her other experiences. Now, Yvonne says that on her first night um, of actually working in there, uh, she was given a tour to around 15 people, and the group had been dismissed to investigate on their own, and Yvonne reached for her radio to tell her manager, hey, all the members of the tour are accounted for. She states that as she raised her radio, she had the sensation of a hand on the top of her head with a feeling that she described as "quote breaking through," which she doesn't expound on that. Um, but I, I kind of was like, "You you felt it touch your head and what like kind of break through, like go into you." That's kind of what I gathered.
0: It's so weird.
1: I mean, and that w- I mean, how would you know what something like that felt like until you felt it and then thought, "Oh God." Is this right. is this coming through my head? Um, and of course, this was absolutely terrifying. Uh, and she started screaming, crying, and you know she's on the radio calling for her dad. Of course, John comes up there immediately. Um, and you know, I just when when somebody tells you something like this and they're just hy- hysterical, I mean, what you just I don't I mean I don't even know what I would do if somebody told me that that just happened to them, you know, cause I'd want to be like, Holy cow. That's amazing. It's crazy. Well, are you, are you okay? <laughs> Instead of being like, are you okay? You know what? I- right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like- yeah. I, I would want to know the whole story, everything. And I, I would assume if they were talking to me, they were still, okay. they were fine. Yeah. yeah. It's like, uh, and-
1: like, like Dan Aykroyd running up to, uh, Bill Murray and ghost musters. Actual Mm -hmm. physical contact. That's great. He's laying there in the floor like, (laughs) like, Mm -hmm. help me.
2: (laughs) Yep. Yep.
1: He's like, this is great. Yeah. But Yvonne does go on to explain um, that other women have experienced similar things on the fifth floor. And so it kind of leads them to believe that whatever is responsible tends to target female visitors. Now that isn't the only horrific encounter Yvonne has had. She explains on multiple occasions, she has felt as if she was being choked.
0: See, that's, that's too much. Yeah. That's.
1: And when asked to describe the feeling, she says it's the actual sensation of hands around her throat, trying to choke her. But this is, is not an uncommon occurrence on that maximum security floor. And it's so common that they've nicknamed this spirit, the choker. Apropos. Apropos you know, Hey, this is a smeller. This is a singer. This is the mm-hmm. choker. You know? This is the choker.
0: <laughs> I'm a choker. I'm a smoker. That's right. I'm a
1: ghost <laughs> in Eloise. There, uh, there is another uh, common entity encountered that is called the creeper they they really got creative on these names um, they sure did the creeper come on
0: john let matt and i name <laughs> yeah, these things for you we, we can come up with better we stuff. can
1: name some ghosts man i'm telling you but <laughs> but the creeper is named because it never just walks down the hall it always seems to scurry towards you crawling along the walls and the ceiling. The Hambricks describe it as a shadow and have witnessed it not only on the fifth floor, but also in the basement. Other shadow figures are commonly seen as well uh, across the building, even in the elevators, which haven't been operational for over 15 years. Now, during the actual investigation by Josh Gates and his team, Jessica sees the figure of a woman peek around the corner at them the group sets up sensors to pick up any movement or electromagnetic changes and aims the SLS camera, that's the camera that shows the little stick figure, um, at the same spot where the figure appeared. As if on cue, a figure appears on the camera and it sets off that REM pod. Yep. I mean... And
0: that that's, to me, that's key, what they did, because. One piece of equipment, you can say, okay, that's cool. Yeah. But if you get activity in the same area on two different cameras that verify the other, then you can say, okay, something's happening. Something crazy is happening. And like you said, they got SLS camera and REM pod in the same area. So to me, they corroborate each other and they say, yep, something's going on there
1: yeah um it's just i mean we've adam and i have gotten to play with well kind of play with an sls camera um Mm -hmm. we we've seen what the results can be um i wish when we had we had done that that we had a device that could have also provided some feedback that something was there because it was incredibly cool when we did yeah, it. it was and um you know if there was another piece of equipment that could have uh, monitored you know electromagnetic activity or 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 some type of um proximity yep. at the rim s- pod
0: yeah. emf detector or something yeah
1: some something like that at the time it, it, that would have just that that would have blown us away And and we were fairly blown away as it was, but that would have, you know, after seeing that, I thought, man, if we'd had that when we did that over there at that Thomas house, Mm -hmm. man, that would have been so cool. Yep. But, uh, while they're standing out there, they hear a noise from the elevator shaft, like a big bang. Um, and it's funny. I, I, the camera shakes when you, when you hear the bang, (laughs) So mm-hmm. it makes me it it almost looks like dang that thing really shook all of them and I think it just scared the cameraman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean,
0: he just jumped. He's like,
1: "Crap!" I'm rewatching it and I'm seeing that. And I'm texting Adam. What do you think about being a cameraman on a show like this? <laughs> you know,
0: yep. there, there. My answer was <laughs> nope.
1: <laughs> I mean, you know, you name it. You know, this Expedition X, Ghost Adventures, Paranormal State, I- any of those shows. Yep. Where there was a there was an unseen cameraman that his sole job mm-hmm. is to follow these people around and try to document what's going on. Yep. They're always the one that they they go in first, you know,
0: mm-hmm. you know, because they got to catch the the host walking in. <laughs> right. So you go into this creepy ass building by yourself to watch them open the door, oh, no. or down in the cave first you're rappelling down first don't know what's down there yet that's right, but. That's
1: right. and here you are you're like man i'm just a camera guy you know mm-hmm. i don't i you know like, i didn't sign up for this you know yeah. they're gonna start using i, as I signed bait, up to work you know? yeah i
0: signed up to work for discovery i thought i was gonna be traveling and going to cool places and watching some dude eat yeah but no <laughs> I'm standing here with cobwebs all over me, getting scared. Yeah. yeah. I've peed myself three times on this one investigation.
1: <laughs> I need hazard pay. Yep. Yep. So, this, this, they did something I've never seen. Um, They pull out repelling equipment and they go into the shaft. So mm-hmm. Josh and Phil gear up and actually repel from the fifth floor to the third floor down the shaft. Now, while there, they audibly hear a whistle, which, you know, you hear on, on the, on the TV, you hear the whistle. Um, they hear a ding as if the elevator arrived at the correct floor, which again, the elevators have not been operational in at least 15 years. Um, um, they would have to have some type of power. Adam and I were talking about this before we started the show. Um, that elevator ding is, it's a very distinct sound. Yeah. You know, when yeah. when you hear it, you're like, it's an elevator. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, you, you know, I, I could play a dozen dings. You'd be able to pick out the one that was an elevator. So you yep. hear it and you immediately go, that's an elevator. Um, and then jessica who's up above on the fifth floor looking down in the shaft turns on the spirit box so they can start asking questions and they actually get the word creeper um you know i i don't get too excited about the spirit box things i think they're cool um but i it's it's too hard for me to think that you're not just picking up feedback from one of these frequencies that it's running through where you just catch a word and then you're wanting to hear something. It's kind of like EVPs. You know, sometimes you just, you want to hear it so bad. You hear something that may not be there, but I do. I think I'm, it's cool though.
0: I'm torn because I think in a lot of situations, people can make stuff up yeah, that they hear. But then there's a lot of other times that I hear it too. And I'm like, how did, how did that pop out of nowhere? And it, if it sits for a long time without doing anything, and then you ask a question, and then it comes back with an answer, then I'm like, okay, all right, I believe it more. Yep. So I, for me, it depends on the context.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, but one one other part I want to bring up from that show is is because there is this entity that supposedly targets women. Jessica volunteers to go to the fifth floor and antagonize this entity. While Josh and Phil monitor her on the cameras from the third floor. This sounds like a
0: Brave te- lady. terrible
1: idea. Um, yep. But after only a short time, Jessica shouts and bends down in pain. And quickly, the guys get upstairs and they find a painful red area along the side of Jessica's neck. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's not small, they show it on camera. I mean, it, it, it if I, I. I've never choked anybody. Okay. Um, yeah. I've never been choked, so I, I you know, but this, <laughs> this, this, this <laughs> looks like what it would be. You know, this looks like mm-hmm. the 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 redness that you would experience if somebody put some hands around your neck. And right. you know, again, we, I always say, you know, like these are television shows, but you know, I I respect the work that Josh Gates has done in the past. Um. Yep. I I don't believe that he is of the mindset that he wants to try to to fool you or pull the wool over your eyes or you know just subtly embellish something Mm -hmm. small and make it into something that really isn't that big of a deal. But he's one of a small handful that I trust not to make stuff up
0: for TV purposes.
1: Right. You know, he's, he's been in this kind of biz for a long time. Not just, not just ghosts, but you know, cryptids and, and odd phenomenon and things like that. You know, so I, I kind of, I, I, I will listen to what he says, but like Adam yeah. said, there, there is a select few, um, you know, that I will actually take notice. Um, but, but, you know, just kind of, we, we, we've covered so much here about the hauntings and Eloise. One thing that just stands out is these seem like really physical haunts.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. For sure. I mean, people are being touched, hairs being pulled, people are being choked, pushed downstairs. Um, way more physical than most places that we discuss.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, somebody may feel something tug on their sleeve or brush up against them um you don't you don't get multiple stories of people being physically assaulted right and you do hear almost every single
0: person that goes in there yeah says they have something like that happen
1: yeah. to yeah which you know i've always said look i, I don't mind going to haunted places. I love hearing the stories. I just absolutely Mm. love it. Um, but I kind of draw the line at, you know, being physically assaulted by a spirit. (laughs) I mean,
2: right. And you know, I,
1: I think that's, you know, that's it. That's it. If I, if I got pushed or shoved or bitten or scratched or choked or whatever, I'd, I'd be like, okay, I'm done. I'm done with all this. You know, yep. and what about being goosed? Well, you know, there was that one time hey. at the old South Pittsburgh hospital, you know. Now. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Everybody got to have a little fun. That one nurse. Um, yep. You know, so uh, it, it really makes me wonder if there's a connection to the physicality of the hauntings there um, with the the medical torture. That went on the suicides right. that occurred there, um, and you know this th- this doesn't this didn't affect everyone that was there. I mean, mm. even even John Hambrick says that he had family members that worked there. Um, you know yep. this is th- this is really kind of restricted to what was the the mental asylum. And, and with that maximum security floor being the most active, you know, that's, those were probably the ones that had the worst stuff done to them. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Probably. And, and then the, the 7,000 plus bodies that are buried there, Mm -hmm. you know, those, those spirits that may just be stuck, you know, that can't cross over, you know, they had a violent death or an, an abrupt death and. They're just stuck there. They never, they never had that proper burial. Um, it just, for whatever reason, it's just trapped them within, and that that negative energy just holds on to them, and and so that's that's why you get the the screams and the and the singing and the the EVPs and the 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 audible voices, the footsteps and all of that you know it's just all those spirits just just kind of stuck and it and it's also i don't know how you feel about this adam but th- it seems like these these really dark entities come in and they they torment the other spirits that are there on top of the living mm-hmm. you know that come in to explore and to hunt you know they they oftentimes torment those those spirits that are stuck just trying to cross over
2: yeah
0: Yep. and and i don't know if it's a like the the spirit of somebody that has become that evil or was that evil in life so they're doing that in death or if it's like the the evil entity that has been there for decades, making it worse, mm-hmm. that is keeping some of these souls there, right? And then using that to the torture and stuff to gain energy themselves. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't, I don't know which, but something like that happens.
1: Yep. Absolutely, I, I agree and you know for a building that old with the history that it has it it you know it it, it would appear that it is you know incredibly haunted mm-hmm. but what do you guys think i mean we know we've got a lot of listeners in michigan um you know if if you know of of eloise and i'm sure if you live in that area you absolutely do it seems like everybody up there knows um maybe you've got some stories or you had some family members that worked there when it was an operation, uh, let us know. And the best place to do that is in our Facebook group. It is a fantastic place to share those experiences, those stories, you know, to ask questions. It is a safe place. It is a private group. So remember you have to answer those questions to get in. Um, you know, we want to keep out the bots. We want to keep out the, the people that aren't, you know, just looking to come in and share and enjoy. Um, we, we don't want those. We want everyone to feel like this, Hey, this is a cool place. I can tell this story and, and people want to hear it. They're not going to, you know, look at me funny or call me a weirdo. Uh, they just want to hear my great story and I want to hear other people's. So check us out. Um, You can look at our website, which is graveyardpodcast.com, and there you will find links to purchase Graveyard Tales merchandise, which, you know, as cold as it's been, I may need another Graveyard Tales hoodie to wear. Um, (laughs) But uh, you can listen to the show, and you can become a patron. And don't forget, um, coming up in about, about a month, Okay, you're going to be looking at our $10 patrons are going to be looking at something big coming their way. I think you're really going to enjoy it. So if you've been thinking about it, um, you know, the next few weeks is a good time to, to jump in there. You're going to be helping out the show. You're going to get access to all of those past episodes. And you're going to get to experience, um, you know, our, our new big announcement coming up in just a few weeks. Um, yep. Man, this place,
0: crazy, dude. But, uh, yeah, I got a new place on my list of I needs to yeah. go there. So.
1: <laughs> Fan, but fantastic. I really enjoyed researching LOEs. Um And uh, appreciate everybody listening. So until next time, we'll save you a seat in the graveyard.
0: See you soon.